Wonderful boozes, Ashley Thomas. Please welcome Ashley to the mic. <laughs> That's right, bitches. I'm clapping for myself. Well, someone has to, right? Obviously. I'm <laughs> um, just going to say this. This is weird, uh, but I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. We're just recording a normal conversation that we would otherwise already have. So exactly. It's and it's, it's kind of cute. We have like little videos so we can see each other. None of you can see us, but at least we feel comfortable. So, um, okay, obviously I wanted to start this podcast with you for a couple of reasons. One, you're my bestie. You're my boozes. And we basically talk every day anyway, so this felt very natural. (laughs) Secondly, um, more seriously, I think it's, it's because you've been going through a very similar experience as me, being in your own new country, picking up your whole life. Um, most of all of your friends, which let's be honest, are a lot of the same friends as mine, are still left in DC. Um, and so it's been difficult for us, I think, kind of managing social lives over different time zones. Um, and I think the the thing that you alluded to that we may talk about today is that we're both kind of not super passionate about work. So in other instances where that could m- kind of make up for the loss of community, in our cases, I don't think it really has. Although for you, I think it's been a little bit better. You've at least made some friends there. Yeah, I think, yeah. The, the friend part has been nice, but the passion around the work itself has definitely been wanting. <sighs> I think that might just be our generation. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to subscribe to the millennial mentality, but I think it's just so deeply ingrained in my being that it's hard for me to distance myself from. And can you just but, for, for one last time set the record straight? We are millennials, right? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, I've read a couple different guardrails on like the birth years that are encompassed by millennials. And I'm pretty sure we're like squarely in the middle. Really? We're not even but, a cusp? No, I don't think so. Because I think technically even my older sister counts as being a millennial and she's six years older than we are. Oh, okay. But she wow. likes to believe that she's not a millennial. And I think she doesn't behave like a millennial. So I think she's more cuspy than we are. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, but anyway, I mean, I like, it's kind of weird because I know everything that's going on in your life, but what's, what's new this week? What's new since the last time we chatted? (laughs) Um, well, for all of Keith's tens of listeners. Uh, Thank you. um, (laughs) (laughs) How generous. (laughs) I'm just saying, um, the, as he mentioned, I am in my own new country, and to be clear, I bought this country about a year ago and then oh. decided to move here, so now it's my new, my own country, as Keith mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's been going on this week? Work has been super busy, which is a weird and strange thing because all of the activities that I'm responsible for are paused because <laughs> of coronavirus. So the how Rona. work continues to... The Rona. <laughs> how work continues to be busy in this time is a constant mind boggle for me, but whatever. It's the reality. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. That's My week has been really pretty standard. It's hard during coronavirus because it feels like 
every day is the same day. It's just with different meetings. We lost our weekends. They don't exist anymore. I I firmly believe that like every day feels the same. And so I'm kind of constantly like, okay, so I shouldn't work or no, I should work no matter what day it is. It's kind of like, I never know what to do. (laughs) Exactly. And I also feel the extension of that is that you can't really take vacations. Like what is a vacation in this time? You're not leaving your house anyway. And if you're sitting in your apartment doing Nothing. I mean, if there's stuff I have to do, I may as well do that stuff. Because the alternative, at least for me, is watching Friends or New Girl for the <laughs> 750 millionth time. In spite of the fact that I consistently give you new things to watch, and yet that's true. That's true. I mean, I mean, okay, but because of you, because of you, I watched all of Sex Education, and I watched all of Never Have I Ever. Did I tell you I watched all of Never Have I Ever? No, but wasn't it amazing? Oh, so fun, so 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 fun, and so weird to see a family that looks like my family on TV. Like it's because it's not even just an Indian family, it's a South Indian family. They're like making like dosha and stuff. And yeah, yeah, it was so I really, as soon as I saw it, I really wanted to be like, oh my God, actually you have to watch this show. But that just felt very like I'm a white dude telling this (laughs) South Indian woman that she needs to watch this show because I feel like she will feel seen. And so I didn't, I did not say that to you. I just let you discover it in your own time. I finished the first season. I told my sister that she should watch it, and she's like, "So many white people have told me to watch it, and I thought they were being racist." And she's like, "Now that you recommend it, maybe I'll actually watch it." Well, see, look, I may have had the thought, but I had the wherewithal to not say anything. I know, yeah. Like it's your sensitivity. I'm very impressed. Uh, no, it was, it was fun. It was a fun watch. I actually finished it um, in two nights. I binged it and I yeah. watched it in two nights, and it was super fun. Um, yeah, that's been a highlight, and. <laughs> I have to catch up on Westworld. I have Westworld. Oh my God. We just finished it last night. Is it so good? (sighs) Okay. Hot take. I, I don't know. Okay. So (laughs) without any spoilers, obviously, because you haven't finished season three, I remember, and obviously like hindsight is, you know, 2020 or like you see through rose colored glasses. um, I remember seasons one and two being, Like, every episode felt so important and epic, and, like, there was some kind of reveal. And season three, there were episodes where I just kind of felt like this was just them sort of, like, jerking themselves off for 35 minutes. Like, it just didn't feel necessary as seasons one and two did, and... I, I need you to finish it because there are some character conflicts that I really got started getting annoyed with. (laughs) But... Overall, like, it made me think about things. It made me question myself. So I guess it was fine. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. All right. I'm interested to watch it. I mean, Westworld is also just so beautiful. It's just, like, such a pretty show. Yeah. And it has all those pretty people that are fake robots. Pretty and um, what's her name? Uh, Evan Rachel Wood is super sexy in this season. Oh, really? Yeah, so I got to check in with Kellen because she hot. should watch it. <laughs> Yeah, she's oh she's yeah, she's type. like super Gallon's type. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and Tessa Bay is in this season too, right? Like more prominently in the than the last two seasons. Who? Tessa Bay Thompson. Tessa yes, Thompson. she is. Yeah. Oh, she plays a pivotal role this season. Mm, she's tricky. She real tricky. Yeah. So I gotta watch that, and I've been catching up. Not catching up because I think the thing is long over, but. I started watching this show on one of my many airplane flights. I can't even tell you which one it was. Remember those days? Well, we, 
What? Remember those days when flights oh were Oh my thing? God. It feels like a million years ago that I was on airplanes every three weeks. It has been such, that has been the only thing I will truly say that coronavirus has positively done in my life, which is that like, I have regular routines now. I have weekends back. I don't have to like constantly have a suitcase out. It is glorious. And I'm surprised, honestly, at myself for reacting this way because I've talked to other folks who travel kind of as frequently as I do, and they're like, uh, I'm getting antsy. I want to... Pam said that. Pam's like, I'm ready to jump on a plane. And I was like, girl, you just got back six weeks ago. Yeah. What's happening? Yeah. Pam's it's ready to do a lot of things. Shabe. It's okay. She'll be on this podcast at some point, and I can reference this, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it there. <clears throat> um. Yeah, but what else? Oh, yeah. What I was watching on the airplane was What We Do in the Shadows, which is this hilarious mm-hmm. show from FX. Right. You were telling me that your family watches it, right? Yeah. The Mangums. Set, you know, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hello, fam. Oh, um, they fam. love that show. <laughs> it's so silly and ridiculous, and it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Like, because of how silly and ridiculous it is, it's hilarious. It's about four vampires who live in Long Island and are, like, hundreds of years old and can't seem to figure out anything. It's just, it's hysterical. Um, yeah, so those are, those are, that's, those have been my friends. Yeah. Okay. Well, your, your immediate next binge watch on Netflix has Mm. to be Schitt's Creek. Oh yes. Okay. Right. I've seen the first two seasons, season and a half of Schitt's Creek, but a new season was just released, right? Yep. It was the last season and I cried so much. (laughs) Cried? From laughing or just cry? Like No, it's emotional. What? Yeah. I don't Excuse need that me. in my oh life my right word. now. <laughs> that wasn't even one of your good ones. I know. I was like, should I hold this in? I don't know podcast culture. I'm just going to let it out. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to all of podcast you who are grossed out by you burps. Want it to be. You want to hear a joke? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call a group of crows? A murder. What do you call a group of whales? A sound. A pod, sorry. Oh, pod, pod, yeah. yeah, okay. What do you call a group of millennial white men? Oh. <laughs> a podcast! Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know who I stole that joke from, but I heard it on, on some TV show. So well, you know, you're not wrong, but you're also not 100% right. <laughs> I know, because I am on a podcast, and I'm neither yeah. a man nor am I white. Yeah. Um... But there, but, but like yeah. there are so many white men podcasts, like Pod Save America, Pod Save the World, sure. Um, sure. <laughs> Psychobabble, which I love. Um, Corey Cool What's and Tyler Oakley. It's these two wonderful gay guys who just literally like vomit out of their mouths for thirty-five minutes every week and talk about <laughs> pop culture. Sometimes they do advice episodes. Um, it's really funny. So it's really because of them and. Uh, Grace Helbing and Memory Hart for their podcast, This Might Get Weird, that I was like, this feels like a great way to just connect with my friends um, that I miss so much. And whatever, it'll be just like, so the other thing in, in the in like the intro bonus episode or whatever that I put up there just to describe the podcast, which if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Um, hey, episode one. <laughs> it it kind of came to me that this is going to be such a great little time capsule for not just me, but for all of us. Yeah. 
so that, you know, true. like it's such a weird time. It's going to slowly maybe become normal again. And I think it'll be really fun in like three years to come and listen to some of these episodes and be like, that's how I was reacting or that's what I was going through. Let me tell you something right now that I am loath to admit because I feel like it's going to be received poorly by the general population of the larger world. <laughs> the five people that listen to this? Yeah. <laughs> yes, correct. They're representative of the general population of the entire world. Things are starting to ease up. There is talk that our office will open back up probably July 1 for oh us my. to go back in. Right. And I'm having a lot of anxiety. Like, I've gotten really entrenched or I don't know if entrenched is the right word so much as like really used to my daily routine of how I work from home and the amenities I have about working from home, like being able to grab a quick snack from the refrigerator, being able to leave a meeting really quick, like to grab a glass of water with still being able to participate, right? Cause I'm wearing headphones or whatever. Um, and like how easy it's been for me to like incorporate walk in the middle of the day or something yeah. like that. And the idea of, constantly being around people again is definitely giving me some anxiety and I and I have mixed feelings about it too because it's like of course I want the world to go back to normal like yeah. I want to be able to go around and see people I want to be able to go to restaurants again and I want to be able to go to movie theaters all of these things safely right like I'm, I'm more than willing to compromise on all of those on all of those amenities and luxuries if it means that it keeps people safe and keeps myself safe so but like, it's weird. It's this super weird mix of emotions where I'm like, this is a good signal that we're moving in the right direction, that we've got this thing under control and that our health systems are not suffering and overburdened. But then also I'm like, I don't like seeing y'all that much. It's <laughs> nice that I can close the computer and then you're gone forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been seeing this come up in a lot of articles recently about this return to normalcy anxiety. So you're definitely not alone in this kind of like worry about how do you actually go back to real life? Um, I don't know. I, I felt like I have been, it feels like I've been training for this for a year and whatever, because I've just been sitting in this house <laughs> in Pretoria working for my, my beautiful little cube of an office. Um, and so it's it, bigger than a cube. Oh, well. Do not, do not try to, persuade your tens of listeners the cube it's this beautiful office with a beautiful blue wall with all these beautiful artwork on it why thank you please continue yeah so i i really do feel like because i've been sitting at home at this office for so long it doesn't really feel that different except for you know, I did have these free mornings where I would go, like work out, go food shopping, do whatever, and then start my day at like um, 11 because I'm sometimes seven hours ahead of DC. And um, so it's been like very nice. I have a full morning. But now, even though nothing has changed with like the time difference and when they start going to work, now I feel compelled to start working at 830 just because I'm awake and I'm at my house. And like, what else am I supposed to, I can't leave, I can't go to the gym, I can't go and do anything. So um, I feel like- you, you end up having like a 10 hour day? Yeah, but like that's-, that's crazy. But then, you know, I take like an hour off for lunch and then I'll take like little YouTube breaks for 30 minutes or so. So I kind of, like I justify the fact that 
this allows me to have a more flexible day. If I just sit down and start going through email at 8.30, then take a break, then come back. Maybe I'll do yoga at one or something. But I, I feel like I've heard from a lot of friends. One, just to echo, like I think everyone's a little bit anxious about how we transition back. But everyone is just so much more exhausted now. Like, it's constant. <laughs> I'm just tired all the time. All the time. Yeah. Well, because I think also, like to your point about having longer work days and not really having weekends anymore and not having that clear separation between like what is leisure time and what is not leisure time. It, it's that, you know, it's that phrase or meme or whatever that's been circling around the internet for quite some time now. It's not just like we're in a period where everyone's working from home. We're working from home because there's a global crisis, right? So like mm-hmm. you have the mental and emotional exhaustion that's coming from constantly worrying about the rising number of cases and the inability of countries to respond appropriately and how that's negatively affecting families and both from like a health level and uh, mental and emotional level, but also from an economic standpoint, right? So what, what, what's the latest number? Three, three and three quarter million people have filed for jobless. Yeah, 38 million. <clears throat> for, filed for, yeah, 38. Yep. That's 10 times more than what I was thinking. In but the yeah, U.S., Jesus right? Jesus Christ. In the U.S., yeah, 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 yeah. Filed million. for unemployment. Right. So, like, you have all of these these anxieties that are weighing on you on top of having longer work days and on top of not really understanding when your leisure time comes in. And then for people like you, who I think are, like, just generally more active, who like to be outside, who like to move around a lot, like, your leisure time has to be restructured in a way that probably doesn't expend the energy that you're used to expending. So, like, you're just constantly, like... There's just so many things that like don't feel normal, but have to seem like they're normal in order to maintain mm-hmm. some sense of sanity. Ugh, it's just a lot. Yeah. And I mean, and the one thing that I think is important for both of us to acknowledge, like we're super privileged. We oh both have jobs, yeah. right? And we're both able to work from home, like knock on wood, our families are safe. They are healthy. Um, they're adhering to guidelines and they're, and they're taking precautions and stuff so that because our families respect science to a certain degree and, you know, they take these things seriously. So we're in reasonably good com- positions compared to a lot of other people throughout the world. So it's considering like how difficult this has been for us in these positions of luxury. Like I can't even imagine the type of mental and emotional toll it takes on people who are struggling or are in much more difficult circumstances than we are. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, so this this kind of is a segue into one of the segments that I've created for this podcast. Segment. Um, it's it's the hot takes and hot cakes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll just explain it for all the two listeners out there. Um, so hot takes and hot it's cakes. Like <laughs> Maybe. Hot takes and hot cakes. The hot takes are, you know, what we both are sort of our takeaway current news event that we feel is like, I want to give a hot take on this. Um, and then the hot cakes is who is our celebrity or not celebrity crush this week because they have some hot cakes. Um, but I, I had written down my hot take was just I wanted to ask for your opinions on some of this reopening business. And today... I was listening to um, Spotify's Your Daily Drive, and it was a little segment on Sweden and like everything that they did or did not do in terms of their their, you know, COVID control. And it's yeah. Yeah. Like part of me, I don't know how I feel because like obviously their numbers on paper seem 
like incredibly lower than something like the United States, like not considering geographical size and whatever. But um, when you look at their neighbors, their death rate is so much higher. But a lot of the people on this little segment were saying, it's like, yes, it's going to be super high right now, but we're actually seeing a consistent decrease in hospital intakes. We're seeing a decrease in confirmed number of cases and, um, or no, not the, not the cases, but confirmed uh, COVID deaths. So they're seeing a, a decrease like mm-hmm. daily. And so, yeah, I don't know. My, my hot take is, I don't know how I feel about this. I am not a scientist. I'm, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. But I have so much anxiety for the states. But also where I live in South Africa, we're about to move one level lower in the lockdown process. And, you know, today, Joe and I were out during the morning to do our normal sort of weekend shopping. And it was ex- extremely crowded, just like leaps and bounds mm. over last weekend. And mm. I don't know, like part of me was like, okay, well, I mean, it, it seems like people are all wearing masks. It seems like everyone's respecting social distancing, at least where we are in Pretoria, which is like fuddy-duddy town. Um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> that's my hot take. So over to you. I, that's a tough one. And that's one that I've been struggling with a lot as well. Um, I don't, I was having a conversation with a friend a couple, or probably last weekend or something, where we, and and we're both, you know, as as you are too, Keith, we're, we're both public health practitioners. So I think there's a bias that we have towards the science, towards the maintenance of, or, or the concern towards population health and, and preventing disease transmission and that kind of stuff. And his And his opinion was, you know, we should, and it was kind of a hard line on one side of the spectrum, I think, as I see it, which is that we shouldn't be concerned about the economy right now. We should be doing everything we can to preserve lives, mm-hmm. right? To prevent death as much as possible, especially because we don't have a handle on this disease. We don't understand, we don't understand it at all. We don't understand what's going to stop it. We just know that like it's highly transmissible. It's very infectious. And the more people spend time close to each other, uh, the more likely they are to pass it from one to another. And he's like, we'll deal with the economy later. And I was like, you know, I, I had a very similar thought. I mean, I, I initially, I mean, you were there when I would have, was having arguments around whether or not we should lock down and stuff and the impacts on the economy. And I, I think once we understood kind of the infectiousness and, and the kind of, I don't know, terribleness of this disease, I was fully of the same mind. But I think I was thinking about economy, like capital E economy, mm-hmm. right? Like the global economy or like a national economy or like GDP. And what I wasn't thinking about, if there are 38 million people who are filing for unemployment, that is a tremendous Mm -hmm. effect on individual livelihoods, on family sustenance, on the ability to provide and like have healthy lives. And, And, you know, one of the biggest determinants of health and health outcomes is economy. So like those two things are so interlinked that it's really difficult to say that like if we preserve all of these things or if we act in such a way that is respectful of the science, that that's going to preserve human life when in reality we're allowing people to lose their jobs in such a magnitude that's like exponential yeah. over time that they're going to encounter other kinds of health outcome issues or God forbid they do contract coronavirus. They don't have insurance. Yeah. They don't, they're not able to pay their hospital bills. Like you're on ventilators. There are people I know in the UK, at least I've been there. I've been reading about this. I think she's a, I don't know. Oh, UK TV very much, but like I think she's like on one of these like morning talk shows or something. Mm. Her husband has been in a medically induced coma for like weeks. Oh my weeks god! Because he contracted 
coronavirus. I know. And like, can you imagine you're on a ventilator for that much time? You're being cared for by medical professionals for that much time. And then if you're in the U.S. and you have no insurance and you have no money and like, what are you going to do? That will devastate your family. It's just pushing them further and further and further into poverty, really. It's burdening the poverty cycle. It's not, it's making, going to make the rich richer and the poor poorer. And our Gini coefficient, to call back to economics, is just going to get worse and worse. (laughs) Well, why don't you explain the Gini coefficient? Girl, do not make me do that after I've had three glasses of wine on a Saturday night. Basically. This could be be an educational podcast (laughs) as much as it is a check-in podcast. The Gini coefficient is an economics indicator for the level of inequality in a country. And so... What I'm forgetting is the directionality of that indicator, but I believe the higher the Gini coefficient, the more unequal society is. Mm-hmm. And so you want... In terms of wealth distribution? Exactly, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so, like, you know, a larger portion of the wealth is held in the smaller portion of society. And so when mm-hmm. your Gini coefficient goes closer to zero, it's more equal distribution of wealth across all sort of quintiles of the population. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think especially in the United States, we already had huge wealth disparity. So yeah. this is just going to exacerbate that issue. Yeah. But like, but you know, it comes back to the same point that you were bringing up a moment ago, which is like, if people contract the virus, that's what forces them into this kind of dire economic situation. So if we prevent them from being able to contract the virus or being able to transmit the virus, then perhaps we can at least I don't know, protect against some of that devastating health outcome, economic based health outcome yeah. burden. But like truly, I mean, I don't I don't envy any politician who's in the position oh of God. trying to decide <laughs> whether or not to open or open. I do believe that there are some politicians and some folks in positions of leadership who are more thoughtful and deliberate and uh you know smarter yeah mm. than others <laughs> and i think fortunately or unfortunately i think those are at at least in the united states they're more at the state level as opposed to at the federal level yeah. so even though i'm i'm a democrat it's it's interesting it's been an interesting time where i've been like cool if if they want to decentralize power i think that's probably the smartest smartest move because they don't trust federal power right now yeah. to make the right decision for its population and i think you know the distribution among we know that coronavirus spreads more quickly in densely populated areas. So like the move or, or the response in New York city should be different from the response in mm-hmm. Idaho or Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. Like they shouldn't have blanket approaches, um, especially when their healthcare systems are different and access is different and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. The short answer to your question is I, I don't really know. <laughs> I think I was like, I was just hoping that Sweden was going to show us something that, it was going to be like this remarkable beacon of like how things could be semi-normal, but how a yeah. disease, could, how the disease could, that could actually be contained. Well, but the point you make, I mean, you brought this up a moment ago, like Sweden is like what the size of one state in the United States. Yeah. And I don't, I think, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to see either the benefits or the lack of benefits for that choice that they've made until we start seeing the quote unquote second wave. And like, right. I think if what they've done has been beneficial to the large population, you'll see us like a, a lesser second wave there than you will in countries like ours or other places that really limited social 
um, interaction and population mm-hmm. movement. Um, so I don't know. I feel like it's right now. And I trust people the most these days when I hear them say, listen, I have no idea what's going to happen next because I, I really feel like that's true. So I'll, I'm going to jump on board with that and say, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen next, obviously, but it's like a wait and see. I know, which is the scariest part. I mean, the thing that, that I think we, we do at least have some information on is the countries that have opened up the soonest after the least amount of quarantine or the least amount of social distancing mm-hmm. are already seeing spikes. Yeah. Right. Like they're already seeing resurgences. So like we can learn from them. And I think that that I'm not sure if you saw that New York Times article that came out either on Friday or Thursday. I was like, if the U.S. had locked down a week earlier, yeah. this is how many lives could have been saved. If it had locked down two weeks earlier. this is, And of course, these are predictive models. And this is predicated on the idea that testing is at the place now. Like testing at that time would have been at the place that it is now, which it wouldn't have been right. There's no way of knowing. And we and it was so early that we didn't quite know what was going on. So all of those things being held equal, like it's very, we just didn't act fast enough. And there are other countries that acted much more quickly. Mm-hmm. So you had a hot take. I do. I have a hot take. And I will first preface this hot take by saying that I am uninformed. I'm an uninformed <laughs> I doubt that, but go ahead. No, I mean, it's just, I think this particular thing has like, it's super loaded. And so I don't know Uh-oh. what the right thing is. Yeah, I don't know what the right thing is. Okay, so <laughs> here's all of the backstory to, to my hot take. Um, <laughs> I have been limiting my news intake so I don't go crazy. And so basically what I do is I go through like Google's most read stories or whatever. And recently there has been... <laughs> There has been some um, controversy mm. over Lana Del Rey's something, something. Yeah, okay. See, now, now you're starting to understand why I'm uninformed. I don't know Lana Del Rey that well. I don't know her music. I don't know her lyrics. But she's been criticized recently because her because it's it's being said that her lyrics glorify abuse and abusive relationships. Oh, right? God. Right. And so here's the, here's the big problem of why I'm uninformed. I don't know any of her lyrics. I don't know what she's saying. She might be saying, I like to get flapped around. She might be saying something else. I don't know. I don't know what she's saying. Anyway, so there's that whole thing. So then she, so she was being criticized for that. So then she posted this Instagram post, which is apparently, you know, how we all communicate these days, which yeah. is either through mm-hmm. Twitter or Instagram. So she posted this Instagram post that was basically like, here are like five or six other female artists and they talk about cheating and sleeping with a lot of guys and, and nobody's coming after them. Like why, why is everyone coming after me? Now the coincidence is that the majority of the people she, she talks to, she said like Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, Ariana Grande, Beyonce, and then another woman whose name I didn't recognize because mm. I don't listen to music that was made more recently than 10 years ago. So so then people came after her again on that post because they're like, you're being racist. You're saying that women of color can get away with this thing and you should be allowed to because you're a white woman and blah, 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 saying all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Whatever. So then she had to respond again and she's like, I'm not racist, right? Like, I don't know if she's racist. I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know what the lyrics are like. So then that's that's like part one of hot take. Part two of hot take is in part two of hot take is in the scrolling through like the popular Google stories or whatever. 
There was an interview in The Independent, which is, I don't know, a publication in the UK, um, with Rob McElhaney, who is one of the creators of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, he's a okay. guy that plays Mac. He's a guy that plays Mac in Always Sunny. Now, if you've never seen Always Sunny, Always Sunny is about four characters who are terrible people. Like, <laughs> yes. who pretend to be, ter- <laughs> who pretend to be ter- uh, terrorists, who, like, exploit, I mean, this, I'm, like, quoting the article at this point, but, like, exploit the fact that they found a baby in a dumpster. Like, they, they do, they're just terrible, <laughs> terrible people. Arguably... And they win a lot of the time. Like, I mean, certainly they're fumbling and, like, they are called out for being assholes. But, like, arguably, the content of that TV show could theoretically be spun as glorifying this kind of shitty behavior, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This whole article was talking about how Rob McElhaney is, like, this visionary comedian who took this really difficult leap to make this show – um, that's interesting and that's like that learns from itself and that like tries to be a satirical reflection of popular culture and of the things that we're we're experiencing kind of holistically and collectively as as a culture and as a community in the United States and blah blah blah. But like there's no I mean and I don't know, maybe there is a lot of backlash that exists. It's been on T V for fourteen years, like for fourteen seasons. So yeah. I can't believe that it's not been a victim of the outrage machine but like the type of vitriol that was spewed towards lana del rey (laughs) as a female music artist about glorifying abuse in relationships and the way that that article was crafted around rob mcelhaney being this visionary comedian a white male it's kind of like you gotta like you gotta maybe there's nothing there maybe it's just that the lana del rey thing is new and outrage culture is like full and the machine is really active and it's really well oiled. And when when Always Sunny started 14, 15 years ago, it wasn't. And so it's already gone through its trial period of being, mm-hmm. you know, shat on by a bunch of different SJWs or whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, but it just struck me because it was like the, these two articles that were right next to each other in the yeah. in the feed, in the Google story feed. And it's like, let's shit on Lana Del Rey for ostensibly her art, right? Like what she's creating as art and putting out as an artist. And let's talk about how Rob McElhaney is making a show about four terrible people and how he's a visionary. Yeah. It just struck me as very weird. So I have some hot, I have some hot takes on your hot take. Take, tell me about your hot takes on my hot take, particularly if you, especially if you're familiar with Lana Del Rey, because I don't know. Okay. So first hot take, I don't know shit from not shit about her. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't so know we her are except that. perfectly positioned to criticize her. Great. Exactly. It, all I know is that she loves a melodramatic bop. Um, yeah. So my first hot take on your hot take is that I think a lot of people are bored right now. So they have infinitely more time to be like checking up on people that don't need to be checked up on. 100%. 100%. Um, <clears throat> Secondly, I think so. I don't know anything about either one of these <laughs> things. I've seen like one episode or two episodes of It's Always Sunny. And You're like from I said, Philadelphia. Well, yeah, but I think like from my understanding, perhaps they are being more lenient with Mac, Mackie, Mac, uh, yeah, Rob, <laughs> because Mac, yes. it's like very clearly situated in satire, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. he's like being funny about it while still trying to show that it's not 
the right thing. Totally. I don't know. That's, a, that's super valid. I think that's super, super valid, yes. And then I can only assume, because I've not heard any of her music, that she's taking a much more serious tone and she might be sort of giving a much more vulnerable description of, you know, abuse or other things that have happened to her without taking the sort of like in your face stance of this is wrong Mm -hmm. and she's being more artistic about it. And so that's going to fly over the heads of a certain set of people. (laughs) Um, So maybe they're just missing that sort of artistic sort of, you know, sharing of a vulnerable situation. I think you're, you're probably spot on. I didn't think about it like that, but I think you're probably spot on. Well, but like, do you think there? Do you think there is something to and 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 I don't want to be. Well, okay. So, do you think there is something to the idea though that women are more subject to stronger criticism than men are? A hundred percent. Right. A hundred percent. It's just like they're in this particular example of these two completely unrelated things, right? They just literally happen to be next to each other in a newsfeed, essentially. Um, it just happened to be a man and a woman. And you're right that like, it's always funny is like very obvious about a satire, right? It's not subtle. It's just, it's, they make it, they put it in your face. Mm-hmm. And I think Lana Del Rey takes herself really seriously. And I think she communicates that self seriousness through her art in a way that people might be like, wait, so are you saying that being in an emotional relationship or emotionally abusive relationship is a good thing? Like, yeah, I guess, I think you're right. But I wonder if it, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's two different things. It's like parsing out like how yeah. we criticize women versus how we criticize men. And then like using the content of the criticism in this particular example to mitigate that a little bit. But anyway, that was my hot take for today. That was a good hot take. Thanks, Boo. <coughs> Should we talk about, prepared. well, thank hot you. Cake? I appreciate that. Yeah, hot cakes. Oh, I've got a hot cake. I've been thinking about it oh, since you sent me. And I was like, who can I talk about as a hot cake? Because I have many celebrity crushes, but there's one that's standing out in particular <laughs> right now that I think is actually going to surprise you a lot. Okay. But before I do that, are you going to get your cookie? Because I know that your cookie was for hot cake time. Uh, yes. To everyone who can't uh, see, I it's my last uh, cookie from Bon Appetit's best chocolate chip cookie. I'm uh, showing it to the camera for Ashley. Oh, it looks so good. You're so mean. Yeah. Well, anyway, share. what's your hot take? Your hot cake. My hot cake. Okay. <laughs> Is this cookie ASMR? My hot cake. Can you I hear guess, it? I don't under. Yeah, I can hear it. I don't okay. understand <laughs> ASMR. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's not ASMR your hot cake. It. No, it is not my hot cake at all. Like that, that like twelve-year-old girl who like crunches on things in her bedroom and is super famous. Mm, don't understand so it. So good. Oh, that cookie looks so good. For all of our tens of listeners. Um, the cookie looks profesh, so mm. like it looks like it could be in a bakery window. Thank you so much, Ashley. This bitch. Anyway, my hot cake is Josh Brolin. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Oh my god, I am here for this hot cake. Wait, let me just do a quick Google to make sure I'm thinking of the right person. It's Thanos, dude. It's Thanos. <laughs> Okay, well, that's not the right... No, this is... Yeah, I'm thinking of him in some of his other roles, and yes. Would Daddy like another? 
My God, he is so delicious. Okay, and here's the reason he's at the forefront of my mind right now. Because Dune, the photos, like the, the oh, yeah. stills from shooting Dune have started to be released, and he's one of the main characters. Not main. I mean, I don't know. It depends on how the director's going to adapt the screenplay, I guess. But, like, to have someone like Josh Brolin, like, you would hope that he's a main-ish character. He's so good. Um, and there's there are these photos of him with Timothy Chalamet, and you're just kind of like, oh, my God, you're so muscular. Timothy Chalamet's and in it? He's a main character. Are they using the fancy Hollywood software to make him look younger? Not Timothy, sorry. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> Because oh. Timothy would be in diapers. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I was going to say, why would they ma- need to make him look younger? Um, I don't know. At least from the stills. Like, the stills don't have any of the CGI stuff. The stills okay. are just, like, st- set stills, so I'm not sure. Um, but the character that he's playing... Have you read Dune? You haven't read Dune, right? I sure have not. Okay, so I'm audiobooking <laughs> Dune right now. It doesn't count, really, but I'm audiobooking Dune. And I think the character that Josh Rowland is playing is actually supposed to be this kind of, like, grizzled, older dude who's been through a lot so i think i don't know that they would need to age him backwards at all mm. um but he's never been like a real celebrity crush for me like ever my like i would die for idris elba or for oh my god yeah oh my god it's just it's just sometimes <clears throat> it's hard it's just hard like it's just unfair that there are people that are that attractive for us yeah. people who are no, not I that agree. attractive <laughs> Um, Are you ready for my hot cake? Yes, I'm so ready. You're not going to have any reaction to this because I'm pretty sure you don't know who this person is. Oh, I'm going to Google while you say it. I can't even help you with that because I don't know his last name. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, my hot cake is this gentleman named Matt from season three of The Great Pottery Throwdown. (laughs) Matt, season three, Great (laughs) Pottery... Oh, I can't spell, y'all. Throw well, it out. Oh, oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, is he British? Yeah, it's the great pottery throwdown of the same sort of family of great British bake off. It's it's very like British reality TV loving. You cry, you laugh. Um, and he is my hotcake because one, he's quite cute. He has great hair. But he's um obviously he's in England where you are, so I thought that would be a fun hot cake. Very relevant. Oh, is this and, the guy that we were trying to buy his stuff? Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, and I really want to plug the show because I think it's just such a lovely show and all of season three is on YouTube. So please, everyone who's listening to this podcast, go check it out. Is this Little Torch Ceramics? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. His name is Matt Cronshaw. Yeah, he's real cute. Isn't he? Yeah. And he yeah. used to be possibly an Olympic biker or definitely like a bike wow. race person <laughs> a professional uh, bike athlete i don't know what the word is <laughs> cyclist how about thank that? you that's great <laughs> yeah he's real cute oh he's got a cute little smile too mm-hmm. he has a girlfriend of though course. so that's dumb <clears throat> well of course you would go for the artist the artiste well um that goes to one of my highs of this week which is Tell another me. segment that i don't know that we have enough time for but I, you know, I want to hear some of like one high, one low of this week. For me, yeah. my high this week is I don't know what's going on or like what moon is in under what sun and who's ascending and who's <laughs> descending. But I have been super creative this week and I'm loving it. I'm so proud of you. What have Two you done? Things. Tell me more. I mm-hmm. invested quite 
heavily in my <laughs> photography habit and purchased yeah. a professional photo printer. I mean, um, I think, okay, to all of our tens of listeners, I think it's more than a habit. You're very talented and oh, you've done a lot you. of work in like trying to understand photography and understand photography editing and oh, you printed something. Yeah, it's the one of Tatum, obviously. Hi, Tato. You can't really see it. This camera sucks for showing you stuff, but yeah. Do you have chocolate on your cheek? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think you have chocolate on your um, left cheek. Is that what that is? This one? This one. Yeah. No, the first with your ear. I watch it. Apple watch hand. Yeah. I sure did. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get so far up your face? You're just jealous because you don't have a delicious I know, buttery I really cookie am. I really, oh, with pull-apart chocolate that sticks to your cheeks. What? <sighs> You're right. I can't even, I can't even front. You're right. Um, I did have um, one other high that I did note down. That's quick. Wait, 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 wait. You told me that you, you did two creative things this week. One oh, was well, investing in your photography. And this the second whole is, podcast thing. Oh, yeah, podcast. Like, this is giving me so much life right now. I As soon as I decided to just, like, do it, um, I was talking to Joe about it. And then Instagram scarily pushed him an ad about this software that we're using right now, Soundtrap. So I tried it out. You know, just like recorded the intro, like the background podcast, put some music to it. And then Ooh. I like created the cover art. And then today I recorded the intro song that y'all just heard for the first time this um, earlier this podcast. Hey. I don't know. The whole thing is just it's so fun. I have been so invested in it for all the 48 hours and I love it. <laughs> it counts. It counts. Those are two great highs. OK, what was the other high you were going to say? Oh, so very quickly, it was, um, I was so thankful to my dog Tatum because we went on one of our morning walks now, which are allowed between the hours of six and nine under level four of South African lockdown. And uh, we ran out of poop bags, but I was like, he has to go on his walk. He expects it now. It's part of his day. I don't want to throw off his whole schedule. And so we're out there and I just knew that at a certain point he was going to have to take a poo and I was going to be that guy who does not have the poop bags. But he was the best little pupper and found this tiny little bush and just like hid his furry little behind, behind this bush and dropped it right behind the bush. No one could see it. It was fully out of anyone's walking path. And I was just so thankful to him for that. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is Tatum was complicit in your littering for today. (laughs) In my natural composting approach to... Regreening the streets of Pretoria. Yes, exactly. It's a good reframe. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Do you have a high that you'd like to share? Yeah, my high is that I finished my thousand piece puzzle. This is like the hardest puzzle I've ever worked on. I wish we could like flash a picture of this puzzle because you texted me a picture today or yesterday and it's insane. It's so hard. And it's like, because it's okay. So to describe it to our 10 listeners, I'm really <laughs> optimistic that we're going to have at least 10. So, okay. Um, it's, it's basically just like a giant picture of multiple bookshelves. And so all the book spines are all these different colors. And then the book spines have like little windows on them and stuff. And there are, are, let's see, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. This is the segment we like to call Ashley knows how to count. Mm, Thanks. (laughs) It's not always true, but yeah, in this, in this instance, it was fine. So there are 20 like little like block segments of books. 
Mm-hmm. And out of those 20, there are, I think, one, two, three, four, five that are monochromatic. So it's like really like I'm going to work oh, on the God. blue block or I'm going to work on the pink block. But then after that, it's all the colors everywhere. So like, <laughs> how, do you even, how do you even approach it? It's like, oh, okay, here's the pink. That could be here or here or here or here or here. Anyway, this is a very difficult puzzle. And I, when I first started it, I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to approach it. But then I finished it last night. And I'm really super happy about it. So that's my high. <laughs> Well, that's a great high, and I fully support it because I tried to do, like, a 300-piece puzzle, and it was devastatingly hard. So to do a 1,000-piece puzzle sounds insane. (laughs) Okay, but to be fair, and in your defense, your 300-piece puzzle was largely monochromatic, so that would have driven (laughs) anyone crazy. Like, just all green, and you're like, what the fuck are you supposed to do with this? Nothing. How do you do that? I took a full-on Buddhist approach to it, and as soon as it was done, just completely destroyed it. Yes! And because it's not like it's like a book or a movie that you've seen or read. It's like when you want to pick the puzzle back up again, it's not like you know exactly what to do to resolve it. All the puzzles are, all the pieces are in a completely different order. And it's like a whole new experience every single time. I love the kind of Zen part of puzzling. It drives my sister crazy that I collapse my puzzles after I've made them. She's like, you have to preserve them. I'm like, no, that's the whole fun of it. I can like keep playing this game over and over and over again and never get bored of it. And that's such a great approach to life that we can all take right now in terms of COVID. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, every day, build something up, destroy it at the end of the day, and feel feel freedom in that sort of repetitive creativity. Relief. <laughs> yeah. And that relief. Um, but uh, yeah. thank you so much, Mabuzis, for, for being my first guest on this podcast that'll last for who knows how long and for however many listeners. But it was I great. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, I hope that you have a great Saturday night. Thanks, Bill. I love you. Thanks for having me on. This was super fun. Yay. Just I love you too. of our normal daily conversations. Exactly. And we'll definitely have to have you back probably very shortly since there's not a long list of participants for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. I'll clap for myself then too. Yes, good This is how yeah. we started, how we ended. I love it. Thank you so much, Ash, and um, I'm probably going to end this podcast and then just talk to you again right after that. Great. Okay, bye. Bye.